again crack the code. Zero percent confidence in it. Um, <laughs> this is just one of those where you could find it and still be wrong. Um, so it was definitely a, a challenge. Um, I just I have no confidence in it whatsoever, and that's uh, Okja. 2017, Bong Joon-ho, also the writer, um, he's Korean, that's foreign language, I guess, so, I don't know. Choices, one of those specifically stuck out, um, just knowing you, knowing your taste, knowing what you're passionate about, I had to go with that, and the, the one that stuck out, and that was Portrait of a Lady on Fire, you know, I think... I don't think you'd make it that obvious, but I had to go with my heart. Movie was from 2019. Yes. And your director and writer are the same person. She has only had five feature films. And yes, it is Celine Shiyama for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Of course, you know it is my favorite movie right. of 2019. Next week, part two, Phoenix Revenge Tour. It's coming. <laughs> it is my favorite movie of 2019. Let's yes. go. Yes. With Nathan back up by three points, can anyone catch up to him this week when he gives us his new code word? Night Owl. Code words, I guess we could say. <laughs> My clues were it was from 1982 to 1992, which is a time period that I don't think anyone's touched on film code. Right. Um, clue number two is it was by an iconic director. Whenever I, I've done this quite a few times where I say iconic actor, iconic whomever. Iconic, it can be subjective, but whenever I've done this, I've never left open for interpretation. My last time I used iconic was Denzel. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> right. Everyone agrees this person's iconic. And my third clue was the lead actor was also a producer on the film. Plus, the guys review the new Netflix film, I Care A Lot. And their last minute Golden Globe predictions. How well did they do? Find out all that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now listening to Film Code. Start program. is phoenix cloudin and you are listening to film code podcast and i am joined by my favorite co-host oh don't tell anybody else that uh <laughs> mr nathan pig sir how are you i'm honored phoenix thank you so much <laughs> no i'm doing great um obviously we'd love to have nick and brandon here but nonetheless you and i have done plenty of these shows by ourselves so nonetheless happy to be back happy to be talking movies and Happy to be joined by my other favorite co-host as well. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Just put that out there. Love you guys, though. Nick, Brandon, love you guys. KJ, too. <laughs> All right. So because it is just us two, uh, we got a lot to get into. And uh, we're going to dive right in. So 
we were hoping <laughs> to see a different movie this week, but unfortunately, uh, due to, for whatever reasons, it's limited release, we weren't able to see it yet. So we swapped out what we were originally going to see, which was The Father, to see now uh, the new Netflix original movie, I Care A Lot, starring Rosamund Pike. Uh, is it Rosamund Pike? And I'm forgetting everyone else who's in Rosamund it. Pike, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Alza Gonzalez. Yes, thank you so much. I, was... I do want to say, this: the father was probably the most frustrating... <laughs> like figure out when and where it's available movie I think I've ever seen. Like I, I I haven't seen it, but I remember for weeks being like, where can I stream the father? Is it (laughs) a Netflix original? Is it an HBO max? Like what is going on? And even Google didn't have the answers to this. I would ask, I asked from our Twitter, I asked from our film code Twitter and no one answered. And I was like, nobody knows this. And (laughs) then I finally found an article that said theaters only February 26th. Our theater here didn't have it. Our, right. our theater down the road didn't have it. And I was <laughs> like, what is going on? Why can no one get this movie? And then Phoenix was like, oh, it actually comes out late March. That's why no one has it. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah. It's still frustrating how I couldn't get that answer. I know, like, and I've been checking the release date forever. It was like, it was like yeah, February 26th. I'm like, all right, sweet. And February 26th came, and I was like, uh. <laughs> technically that date's not wrong for those of you right. who, who don't know it's only releasing in la and new york theaters which is you know that's uh something but <laughs> nonetheless i digress we're talking about i care a lot um phoenix were you watching this late last night you know it oh my uh, i got off work late so i i had to check out i care a lot i think uh, around one o'clock in the morning so if i look drowsy that's why uh, but, uh, yeah. So starring Rosamond, is it Rosamond or Rosamond? Rosamond. Rosamond Pike. Um, in, uh, like this role that I, I, I haven't seen her in since Gone Girl, uh, where she's just ruthless and vicious. And in this one, she, uh, t- she's, uh, what do we, what do we call it? It's a professional, uh, She's a professional hustler. She's yeah. a hustler. Let's, She's a hustler. Let's just start there. But her official title is like, you know, a, a elderly legal guardian or something like that. And she, uh, she, you know, she's got doctors on her payroll that basically, you know, uh, yeah. lie on people's behalf about she, their... She it takes on this job as a guardian of elderly folks who are deemed not able to take care of themselves anymore. Normally, when that happens, family members, close friends take care of that elderly person. But this movie is trying to show the elderly people that do not have anyone in their lives to help take care of them. Then a doctor can can then kind of force the issue and say this person is not fit to take care of themselves anymore. And when they don't have family to take care of them, they get this random legal guardian, which Rosamund Pike's character, Marla Grayson – is one of those people, and this is not a spoiler, this is literally like marketing in the movie. <laughs> she then uses this business of becoming the guardian of these people and turns it into a hustle job because she's able to take over the financials, the assets of these elderly folks. So there we go. That's where it's at. Yeah. Uh, so 
real quick, give uh, first impressions on I Care A Lot. Uh, Nathan, you start, because I, I, mine is going to be a little different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my non-spoiler first impressions were, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I was going to. I did not expect to go in disliking it, or I did not expect to go in... Um, I just I really didn't have too much expectations, you know. I I think this is a a pretty good cast. It's not great or anything like that, but it's solid. I know a lot of these people, um, but it's a storyline and a subject matter that I just wasn't too familiar with. It doesn't sound too interesting on the cusp of things. It's just like whiplash, like competitive jazz drumming. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but I just was expecting it to be like. Let's just watch it and and talk about it. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, a lot more enjoyable than I thought. A lot more tense than I thought at certain points. Um, and we'll get into all that during our spoiler discussion. But yeah, my overwhelming thoughts here talking about it now was I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. That is quite a shock. I did not expect us to be on opposite ends on this. Uh, I hated this movie. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like, um, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Uh, I love Ros, I love Rosamund Pike. I do. I really, Rosamund Pike. I really do. Um, I've loved her since Gone Girl, but this role was so irredeemably ugly <laughs> that I was like, I just, uh, I, 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 it, it clashed with my personality entirely. Um, yeah, it, but I, I yeah. feel like there's an art to creating a character that is so dislikable. I mean, yes, it you, is. It is. There's, and, please and tell I, me there's other reasons you don't like it other than a, a bad, no, uh, yeah, unlikable of character. Of course. Uh, I just didn't like the, um, the overall message of the movie, which is, you know, pretty much that. Life isn't fair, so you know, suck it. Like, like, which I thought was just a very aggressive message to to send out, especially at this time. But uh, yeah, overall, I mean, I think it does some really great things. I think there's some strong story elements in it, um, and uh, like you know, cinematography is my 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 bag, and I think it looks brilliant. I think it's shot very well, but overall, I just mm, yeah, mm, I w- one it, thing. It, it clashed with me. One thing that I never talk about and I never really notice mm-hmm. is costume design. Mm-hmm. That's something that's just my my brain just I for those of you out there that love costume design, <laughs> I do not mean to offend you. I just right. my brain does not think about costume design all that often. Um it's just something I don't necessarily pay attention to. But Marla Grayson's outfits, Roseman Pike's outfits, oh my god. Yeah. Those were stellar. Like, oh like, my god. Like every <laughs> scene. She just had a better outfit on. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and for those of you listening that, that maybe still haven't seen that, like, just their killer outfits for, for a professional <laughs> for a professional businesswoman who wants to be respected and is just a, a titan for her industry. At least she appears as a titan for her mm-hmm. industry. She just dresses like an absolute badass like yeah. she is your boss and her her outfits were great that, that is yeah i will give you that like 
as far like I, I also don't pay, very uh pay much attention to costume design but yeah on this one it, it definitely stood like out. she had that that yellow blazer with the yellow nice. pants which Man. i feel like on most people would look disgusting no she but she rocked up. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there was another one where she had like a full blue blazer that mm-hmm. i was like that's an ugly dress or yeah. blazer whatever but she rocks that too i don't know I the just, white suit at the end was was yeah she really, really her nice. <laughs> her costume design was fantastic yeah and i haven't <laughs> said that since like little women so. <laughs> all right well i care a lot little women won the oscar for costume design so i care a lot you're in that you're in that bag i guess now yeah, I mean, it doesn't have much competition. I mean, what are we talking? We're talking Ma Rainey and Trial, One Night in Miami. You got suits. Um, yeah, suits or dresses. That's 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 what it ultimately well, comes down talk- to. Minari, we're talking about polos. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't know what what we're going up against here. Right, like, right. All, all right. right, let's let's talk spoilers though. Let's let's do get it. into it. So, Phoenix, I want to make myself perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. but there's always these taco bell movies there's always these guilty pleasure movies that right. you're like wow i love this movie but i realize it's not the best thing in the world <laughs> right exactly that's kind of where i'm at at this point <laughs> right? i thoroughly enjoyed this i really did like i don't want to rewatch it today or anything like that right. but in a year maybe at the end of this year 2021 if someone asked me to rewatch it, I would not be too opposed because it's fun. I had fun. Um, at that halfway point, though, is where we crossed over to the, oh, boy. Yeah. What is going on? I really enjoyed the story, and I thought it worked. To be honest with you, I mean, I stand by this completely. Like, to be honest with you, this was this was going to be a top ten movie for me of 2020. It was. Jesus. It <laughs> to me, to me, in that first half, it was better than Ma Rainey. It was better than Minari. Mm. It was better than Defy Bloods. Mm-mm. Like for me, <laughs> for me, it just was. It was. It was doing all the right things. It was taking this storyline that I did not care about and made it interesting. Mm-hmm. You got so much tension in that first half, and then that scene happens where <laughs> Marla and Peter Dinklage's character meet for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it just all goes way downhill. <laughs> like it just, it gets so unrealistic. Yeah. Right. And now really talking spoilers in case you're sticking around. This is your final warning. When they try to kill her, right. And they inject, you know, alcohol in her and make it look like she drunk drove into a lake. Mm-hmm. No, like, <laughs> No. And and she got out and she swam away and then she walked miles, bought like it, it just got so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And then she pulled out her girlfriend from the apartment as it explodes, like, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is getting too unrealistic. It wasn't too unrealistic for me when the group of of mafia members, I guess is what we're t- terming them, when they brought guns into the elder home. Mm-hmm. That didn't get too unrealistic for me. I was like, you know what, this could happen. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's some effed up world where this could happen. Oh yeah. But then, like the, it just it, the second half was went from wow, this is enjoyable and and it could happen to 
Oh my God, what happened? <laughs> they just took all sense of reality and went, see ya. Yeah, I will say this is the first, well, not the first, but this is one of the few movies that I've seen uh, actually turn uh, midway. So like when it first dropped, I saw a lot of like overwhelming praise for this movie. I was like, wow, this is this is going to be great. And then as it dropped, you know what I'm saying? And, and general audience has got a feel of it it turned so hard, like it like literally turned in the other direction. Uh, and I was like, okay, so like, this is a divisive movie. So I, I got to check it out. And I did not expect to be on this side of it, but exactly what you just said is, is part of it. Like, okay, like we set up this incredibly intriguing drama that, that literally infuriated me. I'm not even going to lie. Like I was 20 minutes in like ready to fight, like, I could not I could not believe that this she was getting away with this, right? So I'm like super excited when you know these other people come in who are there to challenge her, obviously. And I'm like, sweet, you know, eventually we'll get that turnaround, right? Where it's like, okay, you're doing wrong, we're gonna fix this, yada yada, you know, justice. And um it doesn't come. And and then in fact, it gets so much weirder. And like, and like it it just turfs completely in another direction and i'm like look this is a character like like i said who is irredeemable so like everything that you're doing to her is not endearing me to her i don't care that she's you know thrown into a, a lake or her girlfriend was beat up or you know the apartment was thrown. like that's what you get like i'm like i don't know how else to, to put this but that's what you get for what you're doing so it was it was hard for me to care for her and then on top of that to see that ultimately it works out in the end for her anyway. Like, I was just like, th this is where like, it just like in your face, like everything you do, everything you're trying to do uh, doesn't work. Like, because life isn't fair, so suck it. Like that's, that's literally the impression I got from this whole movie. And it was said literally in the first like five seconds of the movie, she, when she says like, you know, playing fair is a joke. You know what I'm saying? That, that's not real, you know? And I'm like, I get that, but it's so, it was just so in your face and so ugly. I just couldn't take it. And then to have that so like literally unrealistic second half really just, just threw me off. Look, I mean, we, we analyze movies for fun. Mm -hmm. I would call this a living, but it's not, but you know, not we, yet. we spend most of our lives mm -hmm. analyzing movies. And a lot of that is, fictitious i mean here in later on in this episode we're gonna be talking about superman the <laughs> king of fictitious but right. when you have a movie that takes place on earth in real life in real life context with real life settings no supernatural elements no outside like this is a real life setting you have to stick to what actually could happen in real life there, the last time I saw a movie that was this unrealistic for the rules of the movie you set was Fast and Furious. Like, <laughs> and, and, and I love those movies because they're they're pure fun and they've got some heart to them. But I specifically remember there's a scene in one of the Fast and Furious movies. I don't remember which specific one where Dom Toretto jumps over a highway 
to grab his girlfriend. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And then falls on another highway, right. like risen highways. So there was this giant gap. And Nick and I were just roasting it for days. Like, <laughs> what world could anybody, A, jump between two highways, and then B, catch another person who weighs like 120 pounds at least and continue to, to go? Like, it's just so unrealistic. And for me, the thought process of, okay, maybe it's realistic that she woke up at the exact time she was about to hit a lake, fought her way out of that car to get out, saved her girlfriend in time of it blowing up. There's hella coincidences all over the place. <laughs> but let's just say that happens, because I guess that could be a smidge realistic. Then the thought process of, <laughs> let's go kill him. Right. Really? <laughs> <laughs> like, look, I get you two are badass. I get you don't really care about who you screw over in life or or what happens to you. I get your risk takers, but the fact that these people just kidnapped you, assaulted you, tried to kill you, left you for dead, and the fact that you're just like, let's go take them out. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. And I mean, like, even that, even that, you know, if that were a completely different movie, totally not, a, don't even have a problem with it. The, my issue was you set up this, this real, like, tense drama in the first 30 minutes that we don't really come back to. Like, I'm like, I'm like, it's something that's like there. And then we get smidgets of it throughout the rest of the film. And the whole, like, other hour and a half of the film is like, this mafia, uh, you know, drama or whatever, which is interesting. Yes. in its own, it's totally interesting, but that's a separate movie from what you did in the first half hour. And that was for me, what I cared most about was how does this lady get out of here? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, like, this is, this is wrong. Like, like on a moral level, it just hit me like in a wrong way. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I wanted more of that story because that I felt was more intriguing. That was the thing that really sort of uh, interested me that that pulled me in. And I was like, oh, OK, I really want to see where this goes. And because like, you know, that's what was pulling me in. And then this other half of the movie is like slightly connected to that. Um, I just it's, wasn't interested. I just wasn't interested. It's also just one of those movies that is better the less you knew, like that intrigue with when she is interrogating the old woman and is like, who are you? Tell me who you are. What's going to happen to me? And she's like, you're done. He's coming. Like, that was sweet. That was mm -hmm. tense. And then you start to re get these answers revealed, and it's like, uh, no, <laughs> no, that does not work. And the other thing that we are not talking about is their whole explanation for the mafia and who this woman is and how she's rich and who Peter Dinklage's character is. We're not going to talk about how, or how have we not talked about how rushed and like <laughs> thrown in that was, and then not talked about, like it's as if they were like, they couldn't just say, Oh, he's, he's part of the mafia and he's like a badass and his, that's just his mom. And he just wants to protect his mom. 
Mm-hmm. No, they went like she took on a fake name from a child that died in 19 from from polio in 19 something. <laughs> he's the brother of a, a Cleveland ex mafia Russian like what? <laughs> and then he then like the scene that I'm talking about where he's interrogating her right before they try and kill her. He's like, do you know who I am? And she rattles off exactly who it is. And he's like, I'm going to have to kill you now. And I was like, is that supposed to be funny? <laughs> real? Like, how did she figure that out so quick? It was, and then they don't talk about it again. So, like, if you're going to say, like, it, it just, if they wanted to say he's a mafia member, just say he's part of the <laughs> Russian mafia. Right. And that's his mother. And everyone wants to protect their mother. Right. Not don't be like, oh, she stole a name from some kid who had polio and died, and then they've been hiding in this underground. Mm. Like, like, no, just they totally glossed over that part. Yeah, and I mean, like, as far as characterization goes, like, I think I think Rosamond and and Peter Dinklage's characters were fully fleshed out. They, you know, what I'm saying they had. I, I would say, you know, decent, believable backstories or whatever. Um, I just felt like everyone else was sort of there, you know what I'm saying, as pawns for their story. Even, like, the girlfriend, like, I, I'm, I, I felt nothing for her. <laughs> like, absolutely oh, see, I See, I disagree. I did like the girlfriend. Uh, I was, I don't know. It, it, Fran? I, to, yeah, Fran. I was just, I thought she very beautiful obviously you know what i'm saying and, and totally bought into their actually no i, I wasn't bought into their relationship <laughs> like like even when like you know it got rough and, and you know she almost died or whatever i was like um i don't know i felt like it was still sort of a uh, use each other type of relationship not really like you know genuine love so like even in the end, and they got married and all of that. I was like, okay, like that was a nice little twist, because I just didn't, I didn't feel that way. But overall, I was like, just not terribly impressed with any of the characters other than Rosamond and and Peter Dinklage, who I see. Felt, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, who I felt just barely had a decent story. Like, like I said, I just wanted more of the Jennifer Peterson story because I just felt like that was the most interesting element of this story and I felt like we got you know this this high class elitist uh you know I, I hate to use this term but like girl boss story that I was like yeah very, just, very much less in, interested in I just I disagree like I think that definitely they gave her these vibes of like don't mess with me but I didn't feel this was like an empowerment story or anything like that I do really like I did really like Peter Dinklage in this role, though. Um, he is a scary actor, right? I mean, yeah. it's easy to say, you know, he, he is short and that limits him quite a bit. But for him to play a mafia boss, and there are several scenes where he gets angry and emotional. I mean, he's a, he's a good actor. He's a good he's a actor. fantastic so, actor, yeah. So it was fun seeing him in this role. Um, and he was scary at times. He was, so... I like that. There's also a couple other people that I want to talk about that did not have huge roles that I really liked. Uh, Chris Messina, who played yeah. Dean Erickson, who was like their other mafia lawyer, or maybe passing off as a lawyer. He was in Birds of Prey. He played mm-hmm. Victor Zaz. Um, 
I really liked him in this. He he was good. Like he was, he might have been my favorite pure performance in this movie. Even though we hardly got any of him, he he was just good. I I, I don't know how, what else to say about it. I was just a big fan. And then I've seen Isaiah Whitlock Jr. everywhere lately. Mm-hmm. He just <laughs> seems like he's an actor that's that's on the older side and has been around for a while. But I feel like he's just getting his break now because I'm seeing him in everything lately. Like, <laughs> He's literally been in three films in the past two years that I, that I can recall. Right, like he was into Five Bloods mm-hmm. and Black Klansmen, mm-hmm. um, and then he's obviously in this, and then he's in Your Honor, the limited series with Brian Cranston, and then I saw him in another TV show <laughs> lately, and I was like, this man is just popping up everywhere, and he's a good actor, he is, and yeah. as the judge he didn't have a lot to do. He really was only in these courtroom scenes. Right. But he was great in those too. Like, I mean, <laughs> we don't, sure, we can we can praise the, the leads all we want, but your supporting characters, your smaller roles still have to be on point. And he was great, especially that one scene where, um, there's a couple scenes. He's like, oh, well, I've known Marla for a long time. Like, she wouldn't do that. I really bought that he was like a genuine lawyer or excuse me, a genuine judge. And then when Peterson is strangling Marla and she's like, clearly she needs to be moved to a new facility. And he's like, I agree. Like I can see the fear in his face. It's it's someone you forgot was acting. So it was good. It was good. I, I liked the supporting performances in this as well. And, and Roseman Pike, of course, I feel like there are some actors that you just, you know, they're fit to play a certain role, right? Yeah. Like, for example, um, like The Rock and Vin Diesel <laughs> are always supposed to play the tough guy. Right. They're the always hero. Right. You're not supposed to have them play anything else. Uh, as much as I love Samuel L. Jackson in Django, Samuel L. Jackson is most of the time supposed to play the wisecracking smart guy mm-hmm. or the wisecracking smart ass, excuse me. Like the one that's always going to cuss the one that's a know it all. <laughs> He's just supposed to play him. Like, like that's just, some people are just built to play that role. And Roseman Pike is always supposed to play the manipulative bitch. Like she just is <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That's just, of course, of course she can play other things. She's talented as is everyone I just mentioned, but you're not surprised every time these people play that role. Yeah. Like she, she, this is virtually the same character she played in Gone Girl, and um, she's made to play this role. I think and there's she, nothing wrong with that. I think she answers the call very well. And um, unfortunately, like, I, like this is not as good as Gone Girl in my mind. Like, no, <clears throat> no. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, you know, yeah, she, she. I think she answers the call to that role. I, I personally, I haven't seen her in a much uh, since then. I don't think she's gotten a lot of leading roles, at least no, in movies. No, she, she is a lot more talented than, yeah. than what she is portrayed in at least movies. Like, yeah. she really is known for Gone Girl, and that's it. Like, I know she is in Pride and Prejudice, and she's in a couple of other movies you've heard of, but other than Gone Girl, like, she's not known for anything movie wise which yeah. is pretty crazy and i mean like and i think she does a, a, a really good job here especially of playing such a awful <laughs> like awful character um so i would give her total props for that 
Um, it's just, it, yeah, for me personally, I would like to see more diversity in her roles, at, at least her leading roles, um, because I just feel like, like, okay, we've done, we've done this now twice, um, which, you know, you killed it both times, but it's like, I'd like to see, I'd like to see a change in, in where she goes next. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like there's some, some actors that are just every time a role presents itself, you're like, Oh yeah, you got to get that person. <laughs> that's just, they always play that person. Right. I feel like the examples I gave are, are pretty solid. Right. Like outside of Django and a couple other movies, like where is Samuel L. Jackson not playing the, the smart Alec old man that is just, badass? <laughs> like where, where is he not doing that? And right. Roseman Pike is always just the, the manipulative psycho woman that you don't want to mess with. So yeah, let, let's, she's a great actress. I'm not trying to say she's not, mm-hmm. but her next big movie, let's, let's see her do something different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in that pool. All right. So let's, we, we'd be remiss not to talk about the true ending of this movie. And I want to preface this by saying this was spoiled for me. Um, unfortunately, oh. She gets shot at the end, mm-hmm. and I did not know that per se, but I did know she dies. Um, Twitter strikes again. <laughs> uh, no spoiler warning, just... Just... It was like, yeah. it was comparing two movies. It was like, may- maybe this is my fault. I mean, of course, some of it is my fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, F me for being on Twitter, I guess. <laughs> but, um, no. It was comparing I Care A Lot in another movie. I don't remember exactly which movie it was, but I had seen the other movie, and I hadn't seen I Care A Lot yet. No spoiler warnings, nothing. It was like, let's talk about which movie you guys prefer, I Care A Lot or the other movie, I forget. And I just wanted to see what people were saying. And second comment down. Well, I Care A Lot. Obviously, Marla dies at the end. <laughs> and that really... And I was like, really? really? <laughs> so... The whole movie, I was kind of anticipating her dying. And what's funny is I watched this with my roommate, who is not Nick, and he had seen the spoiler as well. Not, I don't know if it was the exact same tweet, but he had known that she was going to die as well. So when she, her car hits the lake and you think she's going to drown, like we were like, wow, they're doing this early. Like 38 <laughs> minutes left. She's going to die. And then right. she gets out and she's breathing and we're like, what? And like <laughs> when her and Roman are teaming up and we're like, oh, he's going to he's going to stab her in the back. And she's he's just going to get his revenge on her. And she's like this success story. We were like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and we literally said, like, what if that was just a troll? Like, what if they right. were trolling? And then as soon as as soon as I saw that guy from the beginning, no, he didn't. He didn't even have to do anything. As soon as they showed him, I was like, "Oh, that's it! Like that's yes. it's gonna happen." And, yes. and unfortunately, like of course, I wish it wasn't spoiled for me. Of course, right. maybe we'd be having a different discussion. Maybe I'd be saying, "I loved how, you know, that came back to play. That you thought everything was great, and then bang!" <laughs> like maybe we'd be having a different discussion. But uh, unfortunately, I saw it was I saw it coming right. because it was spoiled. So it did not. Well, emotionally impact me. I do want to say about that character, like, um, yeah, because his his actions in the beginning were so egregious that it was um, like once. Yeah. Like you said, once they showed him after all of that, it was like, oh, 
clear as day, right? But I want to talk about that writing. Like there are a lot, there's some strong writing in this entire movie. There's some moments that really shine, but overall, and I think this is part of the reason that I, I dislike it, is it it really sort of just hits on the nose often, like really often. And in that in that scene, he says the worst things I think I've ever heard a character in a movie say. And like, which is which is unbelievable considering how many like dark and, and awful and horror movies I've seen. But when he says that he wishes that she was raped and killed and, and, and beaten, I'm like, that's, oh, yeah. that's just way too far. Like, like way too far in the writing is just, it was just ugly. It was, it was so ugly on top of everything. And I'm like, look, I get it. Like if you've taken over my mother's life and you have her assets and you're using it to buy, pay yourself and you're stealing from our family, like I'd be angry too. But there's no way I would say that. Yeah, like, no, there's you know there's no place for that in the movie. There, yeah, there was just no place for it. It it was like, it was like so uncomfortably put there. I don't know. I just did not like that at all. And I and 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 I sympathize with that character. But I was like, no, that's that's just such awful writing. Like, so the actual killing is a mixed bag for me, right? Because on the one hand. I do like how this story comes full circle. Mm -hmm. I do like how that thing at the beginning that you thought was just a setup scene does come back around and matter. I always love when a story comes full circle. But at the same time, I just don't think they handled it right. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's like someone that has good intentions for you, but doesn't quite hit the landing like it's as if someone let's say your friend your significant other like buys you food right because mm -hmm. they just want to be a nice person they get you food but they get you something you're allergic to <laughs> and they didn't know that they obviously did not intentionally right. buy you something you're allergic to right you're like wow you know i really love that you bought me this you're coming from a good place but I just, I, I can't have this. Can't it's the it. same yeah. thing. Like, I love that the story went full circle. I love that they went for that. And I will give them credit for going for it. I just think it was handled so awkwardly. Like, him just walking up and being like, hey, bitch, or whatever he says. <laughs> whatever he says. And then just shoots her, and then it ends. Like, I just... <laughs> I, and, and, it, just, and, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. I couldn't believe it was the same movie. It was like, it was like they needed. Gosh, we watched so much stuff, but off the top of my head, I can't remember the last time a movie was just like, bang, and then it ends. Like out of like this twist ending right at the end, and then it just ends. I, I can't remember off the top of my head something like that, but it's like they they needed that. They had that in mind the whole time. Yes. And they were like, we, we got to go for this shock twist ending. Yes. And and, and, and it just didn't, it didn't work. And I think and I, and that ending was there for me. <laughs> like, like that ending was there for the people who. Because you hated her. Right. Because like, like it was literally there for us because, you know, we built up this story where like we genuinely do not, do not like this character. And, you know, we see all 
the whole way through, like she she keeps escaping, barely escaping, and you know what I'm saying. And it's like it's such a like you know fist up the ass where it's just like where it's just like whoa, like really, like this is how we're 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 dealing with it. So like to get that ending, I feel like that was like oh here's your catharsis moment. And I agree with you. It was handled so like like just thrown in, just like. Yeah, here you go. You know what I'm saying? I know you didn't like her, so here you go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, of course, I did not love this character. I did not sympathize with this character. Of course, she was, she deserved to have what happened to her because of how much she was conning people. But at the end of the day, like, take that aspect out of it of, of rooting against her. The scene, physical scene itself was so awkward and just, right. it was so obvious. Right. That they were going for a shock twist ending that just wasn't executed well, was it? Yeah. And and yes, I saw it coming because I had it spoiled, but at the same time, it was not executed well whatsoever. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, you could like, there's a cleaner way to do that, especially if you're going to have that, you know, success story ending type of thing, right? Like, okay, well then, I don't know, like, at least not end it there or, you know, I don't know. There's just, it was just so obvious. That's the only thing. It was just so painfully obvious that it was like, uh, I don't know. Like I would have rather had a random person shooter than the guy from the, the beginning of the movie. That See, that's, that's where I disagree because I do like that it came full circle. Right. But I just think the execution of it was so poor. Yeah. All right. So let's, Let's wrap this up. Do you have any any final thoughts? Um, I think there's a lot of great things that I care a lot does. Like I said, I think the photography is insanely good in this movie. Really, really strong. Um, Rosamund Pike and Peter Dinklage, I think, just show how incredible of actors that they are. Um, and there are moments, like I said, there are moments in the script that are, you know, that shy. Uh, but overall, I just, I found this to be a very excruciating watch. Uh, so for me, it's, I, it's going to be a one and a half star. Oh my God. <laughs> one and a half. One and a half. It's oh in, it's goodness. in like boys in the van territory for me. Shafted. <laughs> All right. Well, it's funny because on an enjoyment scale, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Um, on an enjoyment scale. It's more like a four and a half. It, I really had fun with this. I really enjoyed it. But once I put my brain on and I start <laughs> thinking about how real life works, there's a lot of problems I had with it. So it's I'm teetering between a three and a half and a three because my enjoyment was, was there because I think that first half truly works. And I think they nail it. But then once they start revealing some things and once they start – going on this revenge killing spree it 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 all falls out for me so i'm gonna lean more towards three but don't be shocked if i give it a three and a half so we'll see we'll see i'll go with three for now all right well well that was our review of i care a lot if you liked it didn't like it let us know you can always find us on twitter at film pod and uh, give us your thoughts on I Care A Lot because uh, we've obviously, we're divisive on it. So I really want to know how else it played for you guys. All right. So with that down, let's move on to what's good. 
interesting week what's been good for you <laughs> what what makes you say i've had an interesting week i'm just I, curious oh no i figure you watched at least seven movies this week Yo, Whoa. You, guys, you guys go Whoa. all in i don't know how you guys Whoa. do that <laughs> no we've we've had a light couple of last few weeks so um it 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 was another light week that's okay uh finally got around to sound of metal i will not be recommending that but got to watch an older movie and it's called tootsie Oh, nice. Yes. For those of you who maybe think this is an obvious choice, I'm sorry, but I am young, so I had not heard of this movie. <laughs> Directed by Sidney Pollack, starring uh, Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. This was great. This was great. Like, I had so much fun. Talk about having fun watching a movie. This was so much fun. Um, I just, it was funny. It was secondhand embarrassment at times. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman and what he was able to do in this movie was was unmatched. It was just this was such a fun time. It was such a fun time. I had a little bit of of course, a little bit of story issues, but it's not the perfect movie, but it's a very fun movie and and I really enjoyed it. Especially for the 80s too. It came out in 1982. Right. It looks like it came out 15 years after it did. Like wow. it it looks good, it holds up. Um again, Unfortunately, I did know some of the big stuff that happens because Family Guy did a whole episode <laughs> ripping off this movie. And I didn't know that until like halfway through. I was like, wow, this is looking exactly like that one Family Guy episode. <laughs> and then the big things that happened in the movie, they also did in Family. So I was like, okay. Regardless, I had a fun time. It was great. This was the most fun I've had watching a movie probably since Happiest Season. Nice. All right. Well, that is uh still on my watch list. So now that I know that you've recommended it, I'll probably probably definitely check it out. Uh, for me, what's good this week was, uh, as you know, I'm a film independent member. So uh, I get a bunch of screeners of movies to vote for the Spirit Awards. And one of those movies this that I got this week was a movie called Lingua Franca, Lingua Franca by Isabel Sandoval. It's a story of an immigrant who's also trans and uh, her, she works as a home health aide and trying to uh, gain her citizenship during the time of Trump's presidency. So it's a very interesting story. Uh, Isabel Sandoval uh, wrote, direct, stars, and produces the film. It was incredible, really, like really strong storytelling, really strong cinematography, uh, great acting, great performances. Uh, I loved it all the way around. I actually talked to Isabel Sandoval on Twitter. I hope she decides to come on our show one day. Um, but a uh, fantastic movie, yes. So I highly recommend Lingua Franca. Uh, if you get a chance to check it out, uh, please do. I think it should be available online somewhere, or maybe, I think it's on Canopy. I'm not sure. Either Canopy or Hulu, somewhere. But Ling Lingua Franca, check it out. And... uh. So Tootsie, Lingua Frank, I don't think you can find two uh, more, more vastly different, different movies. Yeah. But uh, that's what's uh, been what's good for us. What's good, what's good, what's good.
our discussion so uh our good friends at discussing film this was the first place i saw it i don't know about you but uh yeah our good friends at discussing film cracked this story on twitter for us that wb warner brothers is interested in doing the first ever live action black superman movie uh and so the theories were out there and we were like you know what they're out there we got to give our own so well, not only that, we always save this discussion topic, this this segment of the podcast, so to talk about movie news if there's big ones. And in the year 2020, there's not been a whole lot there's of not movie been news. This is this is groundbreaking. This is huge. So we we had to talk about this. We will be casting Superman. We will be picking a director to pair with them and discussing why we think that's going to work. Um, but not only that, like we we want to talk about how trailblazing this is. Unfortunately, J.J. Abrams will be producing, so <laughs> I'm a little scared. Um, <laughs> but the script very is, scared. Is, is currently being written by Tana Hesse Coates, who has done. Uh, he's actually written four comic books before, so that's a plus. Absolutely, so yeah. I just wish J.J. Abrams was nowhere near this project. Um, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> This is great, right? Like, the fact that they are taking such an iconic character, like Superman. I don't know if there's a more iconic, maybe Batman, a more iconic comic book character mm-hmm. than Superman himself. And that's an argument for another time. But to take him and finally just say, we are going to go with a black Superman. Like, this is something that, that we've talked about diversity and inclusion. We've talked about why not do this? For a long time and the fact that they finally said you know what we're just gonna do like I, <laughs> I love it it's it's about damn time so this is fantastic um i kind of wish like as as great of news as it is i am sitting here like okay they're really rebooting superman again really like especially <laughs> especially so close to to man of steel having just come out and i do not I'm not a huge fan of that movie. Really? Not a huge fan of the DCEU. But still, like, why is this happening mm-hmm. now? And the, the show Superman and Lois just came out. Like, right. look, as, as great as it is that we're talking about this, as great as it is that they want to make this a black Superman, it's it's a little frustrating that they're even rebooting this right now. Yeah, I mean, it, I do think it is interesting because, like you said, like, yeah, like Superman and Lois literally just debuted, I want to say like two days ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, granted, I'm not interested, though. Like, No, neither am I. Yeah, like, I'm not interested because this is a story that we have seen so many times. Uh, in my personal opinion, and I know I'm in the minority here, Superman is, like, not even in my top ten favorite superheroes which is crazy because he's you know we're from cleveland i'm from cleveland and superman was literally born and raised in cleveland uh the writers of superman were are are from cleveland and so it it was to me i'm just like i feel like we've done this story to death you know what i'm saying like like literally to death they like what christopher reeves had like four movies as superman there were 
countless TV shows. We've had animated shows. We literally have three other shows, I think, that have started in the past, like, five years. There's a Supergirl show. Like, there's, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've done this character, and now we're getting Zack Snyder's Justice League. Like, we have literally done this character to death. Except we haven't done his counterpart, which is the Black uh, version of him, which is a totally different story. So in that sense, I'm interested. But yeah, Superman as a whole has been done, done to to in the dirt. It is really kind of yeah. And we can <laughs> we can say the same about Matt Reeves' Batman. And I I agree. You know, I'm as big a Batman fan as anyone. The only silver lining with that is. There was no standalone Batman movie in the DCEU. There was supposed to be, but there's not. Mm-hmm. So Warner Brothers had planned to have a Ben Affleck starring and Ben Affleck directed Batman movie. And the fact that that never happened, I guess they still had a slate to fill and a slate to do that, which is when they went with Reeves and, and Pattinson and all that. But we lit, and, and the fact that there hasn't been a literal batman standalone live action movie since dark knight rises in 2012 so it's been nine years but still we just got man of steel (laughs) i mean come on which was 2013 so i guess if we're playing around with dates i guess it's kind of the same thing but i don't know it's just superman feels a lot more of a recycled character yeah nonetheless let's get into it you want to do we have to start with with Superman himself, but I feel like since they already have part of the cast, or excuse me, part of the behind-the-scenes team assembled, mm-hmm. let's start with director. So, who is your ideal director for this film? All right, I didn't want to be typical. <laughs> oh boy, but I just I I got to throw this name out there. He's already done a superhero film. I know he can helm it. I know he can do it. And I think he would kill whatever script Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, could draw up. So obviously I'm going with the obvious and that is Ryan Coogler. I think Ryan Coogler would kill it. There's no doubt about it. That That's that's my that's my number one choice. Regardless of, of who's in the role, I still think, I still think Ryan Coogler would kill it. So I am going to go in opposite direction of you. I want Ryan Coogler nowhere near this film. Really? And that is that is not hate on Ryan Coogler. That is praise. <laughs> I want him focusing his attention on the Wakanda series that they're talking about for Disney+. Yeah. Plus. He obviously built that world incredibly. Mm-hmm. So strong, especially now that that Chadwick will not be there. You got to keep Ryan Coogler on now. I mean, now that Chadwick's not going to be there, you could talk about Daniel Kaluuya and and Kevin Feige and, and Lupita Nyong'o and all and all these people. But Ryan Coogler is now the most important person mm-hmm. to Black Panther stories as a whole. So keep him there. Keep him working on that, and make that the best he can instead of having two feet and two pools. Like I just, I would, yes, he's a fantastic director. I love Ryan Coogler, but focus your attention on the Wakanda series and and Black Panther stories right now. That's don't, don't take my man away from that for anything. (laughs) 
that's more so what it is than then there's no no hate on him whatsoever i just i want him to work on that yeah if that makes sense all right so i really only have one choice for this to be honest with you i don't yeah i i don't i i don't like i don't want to sit here and say spike lee i don't i don't want to do any of that like (laughs) No, I have one choice, and I'm very confident in this choice. Um, and I'm not—I haven't seen anyone say this, so I, I feel pretty good about it. I'm gonna go with Peter Ramsey, and he was a co-director. He was a co-director of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. and he is black, mm-hmm. so that—that that is what they're going for, and. I think this works on numerous different levels, right? A co-director of Spider-Verse, so it wasn't his vision entirely. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, he has shown that he can take a – there's really one reason why here, right? Is that they took a character like Spider-Man who was so recycled and so overused, and him and his team – again, he was a co-director, but still he was part of the team – that created a unique, fun, dynamic, and just fresh take on a character that had been recycled. What did we just spend time talking about? <laughs> we just spent time on how this is another Superman story, how recycled this is, how out of time this is. What are you going to do Do new with Superman now? And yes, they've never done a black Superman. There's different storylines. Yeah, okay. They had never explored the multiverse before either, like, to me, he is the perfect person for this. He has experience taking a comic book character who was overused to death, the point where even myself was like, they're doing another Spider-Man movie? Really? Right. And made it, honestly, the most original and unique concept I think I've ever seen in a movie. So to me, he won't be writing the script, obviously. He's just a director for hire, and given his experience with this, yeah. I mean, this is this is the perfect choice for me i think also because he is relatively unknown i mean his only big thing is spider-verse um and and that was such a hit that he deserves a chance at something big um i am now officially changing my pick to peter ramsey as well um because i looked i looked him up and uh he also did probably my favorite dreamworks movie of all time rise of the guardians which you you just talked about um taking something that's been redone over and over again and bringing it bringing it new life rise of the guardians that was a story of of jack frost and and santa claus and all of that like and it was the way that he just breathed new life into those these classic stories and then you had him on also on into the spider-verse insane like the dude has an incredible amount of vision i love this pick like if it's up to us if it's up to film co peter ramsey's directing this film <laughs> i mean like like i told you I, I take fan casting and this stuff very seriously this is this is a, a hobby standalone hobby for me is <laughs> is picking these directors and being these actors who i think would be great fits and this is the, this is the only director i have because this is a match made in heaven will it happen Probably not, just because I don't know that I just I, it's one person out of how many people they can choose from. I just don't think it will. But this is a match made in heaven. You literally have a concept. 
that has been so recycled, so overused. People are sick of seeing this. And you have a guy who is has a track record of building up a new story, taking a recycled concept, an overused concept, and making it its own thing, making it fresh, making it unique. He's right now the master at turning around a character people are sick of. So yeah. why would you not do it? And, and he is black, which they are looking for a black director. It's It's perfect. It's a perfect fit. I agree with that. All right, so we settled on the director, so now let's go into the the thing that I'm sure we're going to be uh, at odds with. So who is your first pick for who should play the Black Superman? Okay, so I have the perfect person for this, right? right? I had the perfect director. I have the perfect person. There's a little bit of a conflict, though. I don't think this is going to work out. Oh. But... <laughs> I would be remiss not to talk about it. So Superman, right? Mm-hmm. He's big. He's big. He's mm-hmm. he's a big guy. So mm-hmm. not only do you, are you looking for a black guy, you're looking for someone who can carry a movie, right? So he's got the acting ability. Uh, you're also looking for someone that's jacked. Mm-hmm. So I've seen so many fan casts of John David Washington. No, no, please, <laughs> please don't do that. Love JDW, but no. right. I just no. Um, <laughs> also, like, I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, he's not for someone that of that body type. He's just not built enough. Like, yeah. and he's built. All right, most actors yeah. in Hollywood are built nowadays. But I need someone that like you look at them and you're like, whoa, yeah. right? And, and um, with acting ability, with that whoa factor. I had to go with Aldous Hodge, right? Nice. He is most recently played Jim Brown in One Night in Miami, where we talked about him being just jacked in that yeah. movie. And in uh, Invisible Man, this is another guy who has been a hot name as of late. Yeah, Really strong actor. He is going to be in quite a few things coming up. So get used to seeing his name around. And he is built. I can... Literally picture in my mind him wearing a Superman outfit right now. (laughs) There is a problem, as I mentioned. I think Aldous Hodge is the perfect choice for this. The problem is is he is supposed to play Hawkman in Black Adam. Uh, So. Darn. (laughs) Like this Superman, like Black Adam is going to be part of the DCEU. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think this rebooted Superman is going to be part of the DCU. I don't think that's going to happen considering they already have Henry Cavill. I don't want to estimate about that. But nonetheless, even if it's not part of the DCU, I just I, I would have a hard time thinking that they're going to cast someone from the DCEU in a universe where Superman is to play Superman. I just I have a problem. I, I, I just I think that I don't think that's going to happen, you know. Like he's he's in black at that's like casting. That's like I don't know. You know what I mean. That's like yeah. casting Tom Hiddleston to to play some giant DCEU character. Or, or <laughs> excuse, no, that's not what it's like. It's like casting Tom Hiddleston or or casting Jeremy Renner to play Iron Man in an Iron Man reboot twenty years from now. It's like <laughs> I don't I don't think they're gonna take a shared universe character and make it that. So Aldous Hodge is the perfect person for this. I just. Because he's in Black Adam, I don't see it happening. That sucks. Because uh, I think that would be a great fit. Uh, I did not pick Aldous Hodge, though, so I'm kind of jealous of that pick. But 
my first one is actually I don't know if you know this uh, actor, so I'm gonna share share my screen here so uh, so you can see what he looks like. I'm going with Michael Ely. I do know him. Yeah. So uh, Michael Ely, I think, is a tremendous actor. Uh, very, still very young. You know what I'm saying? So he could uh, stay in this role for a long time. And uh, I think he's got a great look to him. Built very well, uh, and a and a fantastic actor. So this is a this is someone who would be probably not my first choice, but I could totally see him really adapting to the role and uh, and being a really great fit. So that's my first pick. Would be Michael Ely. I think I would not be surprised if he if he snatched up this role. Yeah, another guy too who has not been in a whole lot. Yeah. Okay, so my second pick then because i don't think they're gonna go with the perfect choice aldis hodge was made for this role i just don't see it happening so my second pick right looking at everything i'm looking at is trevante Rhodes. Mm, yes <laughs> so he's in moonlight of course yes he is jacked in yeah. that so he checks a couple of boxes there as far as he's a good actor has mm -hmm. not been in a whole lot um, but definitely someone who I want to see in more things. He's built. He looks like he could absolutely have the build of Superman. Um, and, and he's just someone that I want to see more of. So I don't feel as passionately about him as I do my first choice. But nonetheless, I spent a good bulk of time looking for someone who would be eventually my de facto choice. And it's Trevante Rhodes, so I liked him in Moonlight. I know he's in a couple of other things that I haven't seen, but he's he's give him a chance, right? Let let's let's go with someone who is not a huge name, right? They're not going to cast Mahershala Ali. They're not mm -hmm. going to cast as much as people are talking about Michael B. Jordan. I really hope they don't do that. Like I just hope they don't go with this ginormous A-list actor. And I think Trevante Rhodes is is the perfect person for this. Uh, from that standpoint of not a huge name, but not a completely unknown person either. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was, to me, I thought that one was a little obvious. Uh, so I did not go with Trevante Rhodes, even though I do think he would be a great fit. Um, so this second pick is also one that I don't think will happen, but I think it would be a very interesting uh, mix. So, uh, off camera, uh, before we started recording, we talked about how people would be like, oh, oh, name somebody and then be like, oh, they work for Marvel. They can't work for DC. Uh, no, that's not true. They totally can. And uh, I think it would be interesting. This is this is probably the most far fetched guess that I will oh, put out there. Uh, I think it would be interesting. I highly doubt it'll happen. But I think it would be hilarious if this guy were to play two of the most mainstay characters in both Marvel and DC. So I am picking Anthony Mackie. Uh, I think that would be awesome. I think he's got a great build to him, a great look. I think uh, if he were both Captain America and Superman, I think that's just insane. I think that would be hilarious. So uh, that's my second pick. Again, I don't think it'll happen. I think it's very unlikely, but if you want to send shockwaves, I think that would be a really interesting pick to go with. He's definitely got the acting ability. Definitely. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't worry about his 
his acting as much as I would some other people we've mentioned, but I just, I don't see it. Like personally, I would not be a fan of that choice because I really hope they go for someone that hasn't had a huge breakthrough. And while I wouldn't say Anthony Mackie is a complete Mm A-lister, he's at least recognizable to most general audiences. Oh, that's Falcon. Like, right. and, And if Falcon remained as just his background character in the MCU, definitely would be more on board but the fact that he is going to be the next captain america and he is getting his own show and he's going to become like they're giving him a lot more spotlight in the mcu Mm -hmm. that's kind of where i personally don't don't like that choice but if he was this complete background character like only was supporting characters and all these movies get shafted on screen time all the time Mm -hmm. like yeah I, i i'd be a little more on board but but the fact that like He's going to be more in the spotlight is is where I'm a little bit hesitant on it. Because like I said, I, I hope they go with someone who is up and coming, who isn't necessarily known yet. Yeah, I can agree with that. But you thought Trevante Rhodes was obvious, huh? I did because uh, like uh, almost like immediately once the news dropped, I saw like a, you know, uh, dual picture of, of the Superman and, and Trevante Rhodes. And I was like, yeah, that that's kind of so. Is a perfect fit because he does have the build, definitely. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that one's a little. All right. Well, I didn't see. I didn't see anyone say that. So, um, all right. Well, I am going with my final pick, and this is one that I'm not, not as sold on. Right. This isn't someone that I certainly would be would be hype if they cast him. But I like my other two picks a lot better. I still think this person would do a great job. This is someone who is definitely, definitely unknown, and that is Isaiah Mustafa. Mm. He is plays grown-up Mike in It Chapter 2. So, ah, Old Spice guy. <laughs> yes, he is the Old Spice guy. I think that'd be sweet. So as you see in those commercials, he's definitely jacked. Um, yeah, I mean, he is definitely known as more of a commercial actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but he certainly got the looks to play Superman. Um, in It Chapter 2, he was outshined by, of course, the A-listers of Bill Hader, Jessica Chastain, yeah. James McAvoy. But nonetheless, like, if you're looking for someone that no one really knows, if you're looking for someone trying to ma- make this role their own and it's not known for other things... Uh, this is this is your guy, and like I said, I would prefer Trevante Rhodes over him significantly. But nonetheless, this is this is a pick that that I like. I do like this pick. So he would be my my third choice. But like I said, there's there's a considerable gap. Yeah, um, that's an interesting one because I do like that pick. Um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like I don't know. That one, so I was originally going to go with Donald Glover for my third, and that's where I feel like those two are at, like sort of on that same level where it's like, you know, I could see it, but I don't I, really see it. Yeah. I would say Donald Glover's a much bigger name too. Yeah, a little bit bigger of a name, but I do think like it like they, it could work, but it would be a really uh, be a really interesting mix. I, I just, I can't see it all the way, but I wouldn't be surprised because I think uh, – I think it works. Um, okay, so for my last pick, uh, 
I'm going with a guy who I think is relatively unknown. Um, the only film I can recall uh, him being in was a film from 2017. It's called Girls Trip. But uh, I think if you've uh, if you've seen him around, actually, you know what? Never mind. I'm changing that pick. <laughs> uh, okay. Actually, I'm changing that pick. Um, because I don't know if they are keeping the uh, Netflix, uh, uh, what was, the Defenders, you know, I don't know if they're keeping that cast together when they bring them into the MCU, if they bring them into the MCU. So uh, one of those, one of those castings was Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. I thought he did a great job as Luke Cage, but if they're not keeping him, he would be my pick for Superman. Uh, I think he's got the right build, an amazing actor, really, really talented actor. Uh, and I think he's got, I think he, he would be a really great fit for Superman, just that size, that look. I think he embodies that character to, to a T. He was literally Superman in Luke Cage. He was literally a black Superman in Luke Cage. I think he's just the perfect, you could slide him right into that role and it would almost be seamless. So like, that's my third and final pick. My, my first round pick would be Mike Coulter. All right. Sweet. All right. Well, I think those are some great picks. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm sure none of those guys will be picked, but <laughs> hopefully Peter Ramsey does. I think that's the one I'm most sold on. Mm-hmm. actually Aldous Hodge is the one I'm most sold on but <laughs> that's not going to happen like I said so lots of great choices it'll be fun to analyze that once we actually get a casting yeah all right we, we'll probably all be wrong and it'll end up being Michael B. Jordan <laughs> like I said like I mean Michael B. Jordan is one of the most talented actors in Hollywood yeah he's jacked he's young he's great looking he's a huge name he's a box office draw yeah I just I really hope they have this opportunity to cast someone who is relatively unknown and who can everyone can associate the actor with the character. I mean, look at look at Chadwick, right? Like Chadwick was known certainly as playing Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. and a couple of other huge roles, but you think of Chadwick Boseman, you think of Black Panther, right? I, yeah. I hope <laughs> they do the same thing now. I I don't want it to I, I hope they don't be like you know, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, who you associate with? Uh, Creed, uh, uh, Apollo, Killmonger. Adonis Creed, right. Killmonger, uh, the, the kid from Friday Night Lights, like Chronicle. Yeah, <laughs> the 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 kid who was in an awful Fantastic Four movie. Like he's just <laughs> too big of a name. Right. And I hope they go with someone who, when you think of him, you think of Black Superman. So that would be dope. So. Let's move on. The Golden Globes are tonight, so Woo! we wanted to to do a quick lightning round and and make our picks. Let's do it. Why don't you uh, rattle them off, and and we'll see we'll see who we're predicting. All right. So uh, the Golden Globes does both uh, movies and television. I don't know about Nathan, but I don't see a lot of television, so I will be watching it and I'll be rooting for everyone. But I. Uh, I have no stake in the in that game, but uh, 
So when it comes to the movies, that's where we uh, party. So yeah, real and quick. I, and I just want to make it known that like the Oscars are our jam. That's way yeah. more. <laughs> this is this is little brother to us. Um, don't really little, care about little the little brother. <laughs> yeah, this is more like little cousin to us that we see <laughs> once every seven years. Yeah, like I don't. I personally don't care about the Golden Globes that much. Like, sure, I'll be rooting for the people that I want. Right. But at the end of the day, the Oscars are way more important. I I track and I care and I remember who has an Oscar and who doesn't. I do not care who has a Golden Globe and who doesn't. I'm sorry. What, I just don't. What's, what sucks is like for every season, as much as as much as the Golden Globes really kind of suck, um, like they have implications for the rest of uh award season which is way too much power for them but <laughs> i mean 1917 won best picture exactly exactly uh so it's it's necessary but it's it's also like uh i wish there was a better uh, yeah i mean it's just gauge. it's like i said like i i track who has an oscar and who doesn't and i don't really care who has a golden globe <laughs> and, who, and who doesn't i'm sorry i just i don't the oscars are king they will be for a long time, if not forever. And um, I'm sorry, I just don't really care about the Golden Globes. So yeah. we'll, let's make these selections because we're film lovers and we care at least a little bit. But Oscars hype is like <laughs> at a, is at like a buying high. a new house. Yeah. And Oscars hype is like buying a new house and moving in and all the excitement with that. And Golden Globes hype is like getting new tires on your car. <laughs> Still good, but, you know, eh. <laughs> All right, so kicking off with uh, Nathan's uh, most highly anticipated category, best original song. Uh, so we got "Fight for You" from Judas and the Black Messiah. Hear my voice from The Child of Chicago Seven. Uh, Low C scene from The Life Ahead. Speak now, One Night in Miami, and Tigress and Tweed from The United States versus Billie Holiday. All right, Nathan, give me your winner. It's all you. You got this. <laughs> all right. I'm torn between three, but I think I'm gonna go with Speak Now. Uh, I think that's just, it's too good of a song, it's too good of a message, works perfectly for the movie. So that's gonna be my winner, Speak Now. All right, we'll move on the original score. Uh, Alexandra Desplat for The Midnight Sky, Lu Ludwig Gorenson for Tenet, James Newton Howard for News of the World, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross for Mank, and Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and John Baptiste for Soul. You got this. Go ahead. I'm going with Soul. Uh, Reznor, Ross, and Baptiste, uh, I think they start their streak towards Oscar supremacy. I don't see anybody beating them. And best screenplay. Here we go. Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, Jack Fincher for Mank, Aaron Sorkin for Trial of the Chicago 7, Christopher Hampton and Florian Zeller for The Father, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And when we originally did this, you had not seen Nomadland. So now, where do you, what are you picking? Are we predicting who's going to win? Or yes. are we saying who we want to win? Uh, I'm going with who's going to win. I'll go with Chloe Zhao, even though I don't, I'm not as in love and infatuated with Nomadland as as seemingly everyone else is mm -hmm. um, just seeing how much award, how many awards she's walked away with lately. I'll, I'll go with that. I, I think she's a pretty strong winner here. 
All right, well, I'm curious, then. Who do you want to win? I want Aaron Sorkin to win. I think with Trial of Chicago 7 and how many courtroom dramas there have been recently, and and I just – you know how much I love that movie. I think that movie does almost everything right, so I would hope that would win. But I just don't I, – I, I see Chloe Zhao walking away with a lot of awards. I am actually going to go the opposite. I am picking Aaron Sorkin for the win. Uh, I think – I think there's just I think he's gonna walk away with this. I think his uh, Oscar chances are gonna be solidified here. Uh, however, the one I want to win is Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman. I think it's just the most brave and daring script of the year. So that's what I want. But I think we're gonna go safe, and it'll be Aaron Sorkin for the win. Uh, so we go to Best Director: Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, David Fink for Mench, or David Fincher for Mank. Regina King for One Night in Miami, Aaron Sorkin for Trial of Chicago 7, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Where are you going, Nathan? Once again, I th- I think Chloe Zhao will walk away with this just because, like I said, everyone loves Nomadland. I, unfortunately, am not in the camp that loves it. I think it was impressive, um, but I don't think it was groundbreaking, and apparently a lot of people do, and, and that's okay. Once again, I think she's going to walk away here. I do want Emerald Fennell for all the reasons you just said. The most daring script of 2020, the messaging, um, what actually happens in the movie, crazy, crazy, crazy. And then when you throw on top of it that it is her directorial debut, Mm -hmm. I get Jordan Peele vibes. I get Quentin Tarantino vibes as far as directors that, I mean, those movies are all three very different movies i'm saying (laughs) as far as directors that come on the scene hot and just with a bang their first movie so i i would hope she wins this is just such a stacked category that i i don't see her winning um i'm actually gonna go with chloe Zhao on here as well i think uh i think it's just inevitable i i am in the camp that really did was impressed with the direction of this movie so i think she's got it but whom I want to win, I'm going to say Regina King. I, and like the only reason I'm, I'm picking her is because the Globes has a tendency to go way off road than any other award show. And I think if they're going to go off road here, she would be the likely recipient. So I'm going with Regina King as who I want to win. But I think Chloe Zhao's got it. Uh, also, shout out the Golden Globes for being the first place to nominate three female directors. Yes, Thank absolutely. All right, so we got supporting role uh, by an actor. We got Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Jared Leto for The Little Things, Bill Murray for On the Rocks, and Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. Nathan, where are you going? Um, I'm going with Mark Rylance as a nom. <laughs> um, this is bullshit. Yes, it is. <laughs> but... Uh, you know I love the three-headed monster of of Sasha, Daniel, and Leslie. I would be more than happy if either one of those three walked away with it. Um, all three fantastic performances. I like Kaluuya for this one, though. I think just, look, I mean, he was great. And unlike, <laughs> unlike Leslie and Sasha, where they as well were absolutely fantastic, they had to share a bulk of the screen time. They were... They were one piece of the puzzle, right? Whereas, yes, Daniel Kaluuya had to share with Lakeith Stanfield. Excuse me, as I get something in my throat. Mm. Lakeith Stanfield 
I mean, Daniel Kaluuya, this was his movie. This was his movie. He dominated the screen. He got the bulk of screen time, and I can't say the same for the other two. So, um, yeah, let's give this to Daniel. I want to, I want to, I so want to agree with you, but I know that because it's so obvious that it should be Daniel, I fear that the Golden Globes is going to go so wrong. So I'm picking, I'm pick, I might, I, I think I might go with Sasha. And that's only because I see the Globes just, just being that place where if, if he doesn't pick up any other win, he picks it up here. Obviously, I want Daniel Kaluuya to win, but I think Sasha's going to take it this night. And like I said, I'd be fine with, with him or Daniel or Leslie. I think all three absolutely deserved it. If any one of those guys wins, the others won't be snubbed because they all deserve it. But yeah. I think Kaluuya is the best and honestly, of the three. I, and honestly, you know, I, I hate to interrupt our, our rapid speed here, but I want to ask you this. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer... A, an award season where the, the the winners are spread out amongst different nominees, or do you prefer one actor to sweep? What do you mean? So like last year, the the acting categories were pretty much wrapped up, like almost instantly. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, Renee yeah, Zellweger, we, we knew Brad the winners. Pitt. Yeah, yeah. So like, is that do you prefer that, or do you prefer a little bit of shakeup? Uh, I like the drama, of course. Like, mm-hmm. I like knowing who's not going to win. But at the end of the day, if someone truly does deliver a performance that is like, lock it in, wow, they're great. I mean, it's not really my place to say. Of course, I'd like some drama to say, I don't I don't know which of these three are going to win. I don't know which one of these five are going to win. Um, but look, if they deserve it, they deserve it. And that's fine. I, I personally don't have a preference. All right. So we'll move on to Best Supporting Actress, and this lineup is ridiculous. So we got Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Jodie Foster for The Mauritanian, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Helena Zengel for News of the World. Where are you going? Like I said last week or a couple weeks ago when we digressed into this category, um, Mank is the only movie of these I've seen, and for whatever reason... Amanda Seyfried, I just don't remember her performance being stellar or moving or anything like that. It very well could be, but I just don't remember that for whatever reason. And I certainly am not rewatching this before the Oscars just to make that pick. So I haven't seen any other ones. So I guess I'll go with her because it's the only one I've seen. But at the end of the day, like I, I don't feel confident in this pick either because I don't remember her. Well, it's interesting. I think Amanda, the reason Amanda Seyfried stood out was because she was the only character that was actually given any emotional beats in the entire movie. So that's the only reason she stood out. But um, I have seen all of these except for The Father, but I do know that Olivia you've seen Coleman, the You've seen the Maturinian? The Mauritanian, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I actually just saw it like a few days ago. Okay. And Jodie Foster is incredible in it. Honest to God, I would not be upset if she walked away with this. But I'm going to go with, oh, God, it pains me to say this. I'm going to go with Glenn Close. Uh, And the only reason is because I feel like she's the most noted name on this list. And I can see the Golden Globes looking to award her out of everyone, even though the role was complete disappointment. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Glenn Close, even though personally I would like to see Jodie Foster win this. But uh, 
yeah. So we move on to best motion picture, foreign language. We have Another Round from Denmark starring Mads Mikkelsen, La Rona from Guatemala, The Life Ahead starring Sophia Loren, Minari from the USA, some reason in foreign language, starring <laughs> Steven Yoon, and two of us from France. So who we got? I have only seen Minari of these, um, but understanding the praise that it it has, uh, I think another round, why is La Llorona even on here? I think another round is the only real competitor to it, um, but I do think Minari walks away with this one, knowing it's praise. Um, I have seen now another round, La Rona, The Life Ahead, and Minari. Uh, so, I, listen, I really liked another round. I liked it a lot more than I liked The Life Ahead and Minari. I actually really liked La Rona, too. It was really good. Um I want to say Minari because this is the only thing that it's nominated for, but I could see it getting shafted again for another round. So I'm going to go with Minari for now, but in my heart, I want another round to win. All right. And we move on to animated feature. I feel like this one is a, it should be a cakewalk, but the Golden Globes has been known to send a swerve our way in this category. So we got the Croods, A New Age, Onward, Over the Moon, Soul, and wolf walkers where are you going this is this is a lock for soul i haven't seen over the moon or wolf walkers but i think i think we can lock soul in here listen i want to oh i want to lock soul in so hard you have no idea <laughs> i want soul to sweep the entire award season in animated feature but i see the golden globes pulling a uh uh what was that last year where they awarded missing link like <laughs> I see. I see the missing Golden... link won an Oscar. No, I don't. It yeah, it did. Yeah, no, it did. Toy Story won that one. Nope. Toy, Toy Story no. four. At yeah. the Oscars, at missing the Oscars. link won. Oh, no, you miss... you are about to eat your words, missing my link friend. won at the Golden Globe, sir. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so I am going with Soul as well, but I will be disappointed and upset if Wolf Walkers walks away with this, but I can see it happening. But I'm going with soul. All right, you know what? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I was right, what? <laughs> I don't know where that surge of confidence came from. Uh, but I was wrong. Uh Missing Link did not win an Oscar. So oh, I apologize. Uh I was like, yes, this is what it's gonna be. Maybe that 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 uh, like dumbfoundedness you just had, like, why did they give it to Missing Link? Right. Well, I just remember feeling that same way, and for some reason, I thought I felt that way for the Oscars, not right. in January, but nonetheless, <laughs> I was wrong about that. Um, right. After that supreme confidence, I'm sorry. Good job, Phoenix. Thank you. No, okay. no problem. All right, so we move on to actor in a motion picture, lead actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy. We have Sasha Baron Cohen for Borat's subsequent movie film, Dev Patel for The Personal History of David Copperfield, Andy Samberg for Palm Springs, and then the two that make absolutely no sense, James Corden for The Prom and Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton. Where are you going, sir? Well, I'm going to go with Lin-Manuel Miranda as little sense as it makes, yeah. like I said during our <laughs> prediction show. 
Look, we can we can whine all we want about how this is a 2016 movie at the 2021 Golden Globes. <laughs> we can whine all we want that it's a stage production being passed off as a movie. Mm. Nonetheless, it's here. It's gonna contend. And I think they're gonna give it to him. Because there's no denying that it's a good play. Yeah. That he does a great job. We can whine all we want about how it's here. But he does a great job. It's very unique. Um, he's gonna. He's, he deserves to win for it. He does. Not in this year, but he <laughs> deserves to win for it, and I think he will. I am. Uh, I'm so mad that that makes sense, and at the same time, I'm still gonna go against it. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just hate that it's here. I really do. I can't. I can't get over it. So I am going because I picked Sasha for uh, supporting. I think I'm gonna go with Andy Samberg here for Palm Springs. I think uh, I think Andy Samberg delivers a great performance in uh, Palm Springs. It's not my favorite. Uh, I think Krista Malati outshines him. But uh, personally, I just don't want to see Hamilton win this. So I'm going with Andy Samberg, even though I think you're probably right. <laughs> All right, so Best Actress in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy, we have Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film. Rosamund Pike for I Care A Lot, Anya Taylor-Joy for Emma, Michelle Pfeiffer for French Exit, and inexplicably Kate Hudson for Music. Where are you going, sir? I'm going with Anya Taylor-Joy for Emma as much as you hate that <laughs> movie. Um, I did not hate this <laughs> with the passion that you and Nick do. Oh, so awful. <laughs> I think she... I think she does a good job. Um, like I said, I have not seen any of these movies except for Emma and I Care A Lot, which we just talked about. But let's go with Anya Taylor-Joy. I feel like the Academy, the Academy, I feel like <laughs> voters always love period pieces to no end. So well, I'm going to stick with that. Well, I have seen all, no, I've not seen French Exit yet, but I have seen Borat, seen music, saw I Care A Lot, saw Emma, uh, I, I, I was 100% on board with Maria Bakalova in this category, but we just saw I Care A Lot and I could see an upset here. So I'm going with Rosamund Pike. I think uh, she will she will stun a lot of people here. Even All though right. I want Maria Bakalova. All right, so that's motion picture, musical or comedy. We got Borat's subsequent movie film, Hamilton, music, Palm Springs and the prom. I mean, the worst lineup you could possibly have. So Nathan, what are you going with? Oh boy. We'll <laughs> go with Palm Springs, even though you know how I feel about this movie. Uh, film Twitter is going to light Twitter on fire if it does <laughs> not win. But we'll go with that. It was unique enough. I don't love it as much as most people do. But it was fun enough, so we'll go with that. Yeah, I am actually going to go with... Uh, Hamilton um <laughs> yeah even though I I like for the exact reasons that you gave for Lin-Manuel Miranda I think they will apply here and I could see Hamilton uh sneaking away with it as ma as much as I do not want to see that happen I am personally rooting for Borat subsequent movie film but I think Hamilton will take it unfortunately all right so we go to best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama. 
You have Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for My Rainies, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Tahar Rahim for The Mauritanian. I'm over the moon for when we eventually get to see The Father because Anthony Hopkins is one of my favorite actors. He's just such a true talent, um, and I can't wait for that. I can't pick him until I see that. Um, but nonetheless, this is Chadwick's to lose. You know, considering the performance he gave is good enough to win, and then considering what he was battling while he was filming, it's a whole nother story as is. So you have to absolutely consider that. To me, if they don't give it to Chadwick, that'll be the biggest upset of anything. Like we could talk about the prom winning a golden globe. We could talk about Jared Leto beating that three headed monster. But to me, this will be the biggest upset if Chadwick doesn't get it. Uh, I can't help but agree with you. But at the same time, I know that the golden Globes suck. You've seen the father too. A little bit of it. I saw a little bit of it. I saw the Mauritanian, which I do think was great. I don't think Tahar Rahim was better than uh, Delroy Lindo, so that and we know me we know damn well uh, Reason <laughs> Ed was not better than Delroy Lindo. Yeah, so that that upsets me that they're both here and he's not. But I I too am going with Chadwick, but I it really would not it really would upset me to see him. I could see the Golden Globes going either with Anthony Hopkins or Gary Oldman. So, but I'm 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 putting my eggs in the basket of Chadwick Boseman. We shall see. All right. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama, Viola Davis for My Rainies, Andrew Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Nathan, where are you going? This is probably the category that I feel most strongly about outside of Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Best Picture, of course. I feel like everyone feels most strongly about that one, but this is probably the one I feel most strongly about, especially after last year when I haven't even seen Judy. So what a turnaround. Um, I think Viola Davis is one of the most talented actresses in Hollywood. I really do. One of the top talents in general in Hollywood. I'm not a big person of like, let's rank actors as far as talent. I just like appreciating talent. But nonetheless, if I'm making a list of best actresses, it's, it's Viola Davis. It's Scarlett Johansson. It's that's the short list, at least. Right, right. Um, look, she does a great job. But as I talked about a couple weeks ago, I prefer my Oscar winners to to be in the movie for a bulk of time. And no fault of Viola's is she's simply not in the movie enough for me to feel comfortable handing her award. In award, if she beats Frances McDormand and or Carrie Mulligan, I personally am going to be a little upset about that because, yes, she delivers a great performance. Yes, she embodies that character. Yes, she's extremely talented. I just don't like giving awards to people who are not in the film for that long, especially leads. Um, And I love Frances McDormand, too. You know, I'm the first person in line to defend three billboards outside of Missouri. (laughs) But like I said, the... Nomadland, I was just not as infatuated with as a lot of people. I appreciated it. I thought it was very uh, good style and things like that, but I just didn't love it. Frances, I think, is a fantastic actress. I was not like, yeah, she's going to win. 
I feel so passionately about Carrie Mulligan winning this award. I just do. I think what she does is so special. I think how much of a just pure badass she is in this movie. I would love to see her win. I'd be so happy. I don't see it happening. I think this is Francis's award. Um, but I think they're going to give it to her. I do. But I would love to see Carrie Mulligan win. Wow. Um, you like you mentioned a three-headed monster and supporting actor. This is my three-headed monster. Viola Davis, Francis McDormand, and Carrie Mulligan. I think are are above the pack and like above and beyond the head of the pack. Um, my heart wants Viola Davis. It just does. I, I understand everything you said, but I think she murders with 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 whatever little time she has in the movie. I think she absolutely murders. It's one thing to be in every scene, and you can be in every scene and suck, right? Like you can be in every scene, and and your movie still be eh. She is in few scenes kills it every time and the movie as a whole still works i want viola davis but i see same as you francis mcdormand winning uh it, it also low-key makes me a little uncomfortable that your lead actor and your lead actress are from the same movie i don't know maybe that's the i don't know the terminology for it mm -hmm. it just it makes me a little uncomfortable that that we would have both the lead actor and the lead actress in the same movie. I just, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. It has happened several times before, but yeah. Yeah, I just, I I would just prefer to have a little more range and depth right. throughout. All right. I'm sorry, I cut you off though. No, you're good. Uh, we are arriving at the final award, Best Motion Picture Drama. We have The Father, Mank, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and Trial of the Chicago 7. I remember last year going into it thinking that uh, uh, I think what was it? Once upon a time in Hollywood or or Par not not Parasite, but like yeah, like I remember thinking like Once upon a time in Hollywood had it, and then being absolutely stunned by 1917 coming in and stealing it. I feel like that is going to happen here again. So I'm curious where where you're going. Well, I unlike you, I actually I thought 1917 did have it locked up especially because I hadn't seen it at the time yet, but mm -hmm. there was so much praise around it. And after it won Best Director, I, I believe it won Best Director. I'm not as sold yeah. on that. Yeah, it did. It was pretty much a lock. I was not shocked. Um, look, you know where I stand. You know what I want. Trial Chicago 7 has my entire heart. It's the best movie of the year. Until I see The Father, the only lone contender to be my best movie of the year yet. Um, look, Trial of Chicago 7, ever since it came out, has been my best movie of the year. I think Mank is just a throwaway that it's even on here. <laughs> Nomadland absolutely could win. I don't see them going with Promising a Woman, though it deserves to win. It absolutely could, uh, is, is talented enough as a film to win. I think it's too daring. And the Academy's like, we don't want to pick a very daring movie. It's it's like the Academy would really the Academy. Why do I keep saying the Academy? <laughs> the the voters would really have a, a pair down there if they picked Promising Young Woman, and yeah. I just don't think they do. <laughs> um, so it's between Nomadland and uh, uh, Trial for me. I think Nomadland wins. I want Trial. Mm. I see. I see. This is where I'm like, okay, 
uh, I feel like Trial is like the front runner, but the sneaker is the father. I feel like it could totally switch and the father just just rises to the top, to the cream of the crop. And I, I would not be shocked at that, but personally, I'm going to put my eggs in the basket that I really shouldn't put it in, in the hopes that the HFPA, who is the voting body for the Golden Globes, gains a sack and goes for Promising Young Woman. And I would love that. <laughs> I, I would. I just don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. It is my deepest, deepest, sincerest wish that that Promising Young Woman comes in, comes through and, and snags this. This would make my day. But I am going also with the Travel to Chicago 7. I think it is the the clear runaway favorite to win. It is a top movie of both of ours. I love it. I think it is a perfect fit. It, it, it looks like the winner, but I would love, love if Promising Young Woman snuck in and took this. So there we but have what do you, it. Wait, but what do you think it's going to win? I, I think it'll be trial. I do think it'll be trial. All right. But I wouldn't be surprised with a father sneak up, but I am desperately hoping for a promising young woman win. All right. So that is our predictions. This episode will drop a week later from now. So you guys will get to see how well we did. We will watch the Golden Globes tonight and figure out, you know, how poorly we did with our choices. I'm sure we'll be down a lot <laughs> in a lot of these. But all right, we got to move on. It is officially time for Film Code. Nathan, you had the code word this week. Remind everyone what your code word was and all of your clues, please. Yep. So my code word was night owl. Code words, I guess we could say. <laughs> my clues were it was from 1982 to 1992, which is a time period that I don't think anyone's touched on film code. Right. Um, clue number two is it was by an iconic director. Whenever I – I've done this quite a few times where mm. I say iconic actor, iconic whomever – Iconic, it can be subjective, but whenever I've done this, I've never left it open for interpretation. My last time I used iconic was Denzel. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> right. Everyone agrees this person's iconic. And my third clue was the lead actor was also a producer on the film. So, Phoenix, you are the only person guessing today. <laughs> um, so, where are you headed with this? Okay, so I want you to know I found three uh, films that I think could fit here. And... Um, I settled on this one, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to give you this one and then I'm going to give you the other two uh, so you know where my mindset was. So gotcha. my pick, my official pick is a movie from, I want to say it's 1989. I think that's it. Hold on, let me get it right. I don't want to be left out here. Yes, 1989. So it is from 1989, almost in the tail end of that spectrum. Uh, what is it? What do you said? Your iconic director. Yep. I noticed the last time you said something, something was iconic. They were an actor who was a direct, who directed their film. So they're an iconic actor, but not iconic for being a director. So I went in that same vein and I went with Eddie Murphy. 
and Eddie Murphy in 1989 directed and produced and wrote actually the film Harlem Nights, which stars Red Fox, Richard Pryor, Della Reese, Robin Harris, Charlie Murphy, insane cast. So that is my pick. Uh, I don't Nights. think I don't think I pulled the switcheroo of like an iconic actor but directed oh, the film. I don't yeah. think that was me. Oh. Well, I don't know. I don't and think the, I would mislead like that. And Night Owl, because they run like a, a after hours uh, club, and obviously Night is in the in the title. So that's my pick. That's the one I went with. But the two others that I found were uh, Cape Fear, which is directed by uh, Scorsese. Scorsese, and the lead actor in that I think is Robert De Niro, and he was also a producer on that film. Uh, can't remember the year i think it was like 90 or 88 i think something like that and my last pick which i don't think you would have gone with this but i think it's hilarious that it fits all of these clues and that is uh <laughs> 1983 directed by john landis who is an iconic director and the lead actor is michael jackson who was also a producer on this and that is Michael Jackson's Thriller, which I think would be hilarious if you picked it, but obviously it's not a full-length feature film. But those were my three guesses, so let All me right. know if I chose the wrong one. <laughs> would you Would you like to change your choice? <laughs> or are you going to lock it in? Uh, I'm going to lock it in. I'm going to lock it in with Are Harlem you Nights. sure? Yeah, even though I think it's wrong. <laughs> I'm going to lock it in with Harlem Nights. <laughs> All right, well. I'm sure you will be over the moon to hear that none of those were it. <laughs> I kind of, uh, I, I was hoping you'd switch and feel tense and then none of it mattered. <laughs> none of it mattered. <laughs> All right. So 1982 to 1992, we're looking at 19, ni 1985, excuse me, 85. Nice. You did name one of the directors I was looking for. That iconic director, of course, is Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. The lead actor is Griffin Dunn or Dune. I'm sorry, I do not know how to say that. He was also a producer on the film Night Owl. This is a movie that is on my letterbox. It's I have actually called this. Night Owl? No, no, no. Oh. No. <laughs> it, this is a movie that's on my letterbox, so a little bit of digging would have saw that I've seen this, but... I, I normally don't like to pick movies that are on my letterbox, right. but nonetheless, this movie is After Hours by Martin Scorsese. This is a movie that I am not a huge fan of, but seemingly everyone in the world <laughs> is. Um, it's about a man who is up all night and the shenanigans and the adventures of this guy who is tormented all throughout the night while most people are sleeping. Like I said, not a huge fan of this movie, but a lot of people are. I was kind of put on the spot this week with a with a code word, so I had to come up with one quickly. Nonetheless, I was able to maneuver past Phoenix, and uh, yeah, that's that. I hate it when that happens. I literally scrolled through like the '80s, and I and I came to '85, and I think '85 was when I was like, "Ah, screw this, let me find a different way." But <laughs> but yeah, I did see After Hours, and of course, I have not seen that movie. Not seen much of Scorsese's filmography, but uh, I feel like I should have got that. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, great code word. That was smooth, really tricky. Uh, hopefully, Nick, 
returns next week and he has his. That'll be exciting because uh, we're still waiting for Cold World Cold World War Two. <laughs> so that was a part of the reason why I chose Harlem Knights because I thought uh, you guys had spoke on it and you was like, "Hey, get him with get him with one he's already seen." Like <laughs> that'll be a great great little way to shaft him for for a Cold War. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I thought it was great. So we will see uh, what Nick comes up with next week. All right. Uh, we got to get up out of here. So Nick or Nathan, let everybody know where they can find you, man. Yep. You can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. Going to be logging a ton of stuff here coming up. So please make sure you're following over there. Engage with me. Love to talk about movies with you guys. Let me know your listener. To talk with you. Hear your thoughts. Always love engaging with our fans. Make sure you follow the show over on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at FilmCodePod, the same at for all three. All three, we post very different stuff over there, especially on each platform. Make sure you're following us. You don't want to miss out on anything we're talking about. Join the conversation over there. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at FilmCodePod. And once again, however you're listening to this, please go ahead and check out our other episodes. We have days, days upon days of content. You can listen to us for 24 hours straight and never run out of stuff to listen to to love please make sure you check that out and really appreciate you guys listening phoenix thanks so much for joining me and uh yeah thank you guys and we'll see you next time absolutely and my name's phoenix cloud and guys you can find me on twitter at imho reviews one that's the number one and on letterbox under pa Clouden. and like nathan said please follow us on twitter instagram tiktok all at film code pod we will see you guys next week thank you so much and we're out of here peace